You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. start sermons maybe coming from your pastors, but I have a confession. I am really bad at hearing. I don't have bad hearing. I, at times, am just bad at being a hearer. And so, for example, there's days where I'll come home, and I'll get home, and I will just plop myself down on my couch, and maybe one of my daughters will start talking to me, Uh, maybe my wife will start talking to me, and I will honestly, from time to time, not all the time, but pretend like I'm taking a nap. Just because I just some all this chaos going on around me, and I know they're talking, and I know that they're there, and I know something's being said, but I've just basically closed my ears to them, and I've, I've kind of shut the world out. So I'm not really a great hearer in that moment. There's times where I will be in conversation, probably more so with my wife. Admittedly, um, I, I say this in confession, that I'll be there, I'll be present, we'll be standing around in our kitchen together doing things, and she will be sharing something with me, and I will just not be hearing a word she says. From time to time, and she knows that I do this, from time to time, she will stop and say, did you just hear what I said? And from time to time, I'll try to get past it and say, well, sure, this is what you just said, and and a lot of those times, I just don't get it right, um, and it just shows I'm not a great hearer. Maybe for one of you students out there, you kids, this is something that you do. You do this at school, um, even though you're probably not supposed to, or you do it at home, or you do it someplace. You grab your device, your phone, your whatever, and you put in these little white things that have become so popular in our world, and you put these things in your ears. And you pretend like you're listening or to something in these earphones, but you're not actually hearing what's going on around you. And here's the funny thing. I have experienced this with a few people. And don't get me wrong, it's not just you students. I've seen this with adults. That sometimes you'll put these things in your ears because you don't want to hear what people have to say. And you don't even plug into the source of giving something that is going on in your ears. So you're just kind of fooling yourself. You're saying, hey, what someone has to say to me out there is not important. And so I'm just going to pretend so they don't actually speak to me by having these things in my ears. Maybe some of you guys like to wear hoodies and you just put a hoodie on just to distract yourself. Or you're standing in a place, someone comes at you that you know, and immediately you go, oh man, I do not want to talk to them. And you pull out your phone, and you pretend like you're talking to someone on the phone, just so you don't have to engage and listen to the person that you don't want to talk to. Anyone do that ever? Yeah, I've done that before. In our world, with all the advantages and all the technologies and all the books and all the training and all the counseling out there on what it takes to be a good listener, we have developed a really bad habit. And I don't think I'm the only one that needs to confess that this morning. We're not great hearers. We have these ears, we've been given these things to listen with, 
to allow stuff to come into our head and our heart and our mind, but we oftentimes shut them out or cover them up because we've developed a bad habit of not being good hearers. And that's exactly where Jesus takes us today. So we're coming out of last week with Pastor Keith's message of the parable of the sower. And Jesus takes time to define and shape why he uses parables with his disciples. And then he goes into these passages we're going to talk about today in Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 21. There's two parts of this. First, he's going to talk about what it means to be a light, and he defines what light is. And then he moves into this time to define who his family is. And the two are very connected. And so I want to walk us through that. But as we jump into this, we're going to be in Luke 8. But I want you guys to know something. In Mark 4, Jesus shares this same teaching. It's pretty much identical, although Mark organizes it a little bit differently in the chronology of Jesus' teaching. But there's a lot of references in Jesus' teaching about light. Even in the sense of this light stand that you put your light up on something so that everybody can hear. Or see, here's, here's one other space where you see that, Matthew 5, where Jesus teaches that you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Now, here's the difference. I think these can get really confusing. We think, oh, Jesus is teaching us the same thing. And in one way he is, but ultimately in Matthew 5, what he's teaching us is about taking our light to the world, that we should t- illuminate the world with all that we have with everything that we know, with, with the Jesus that is inside us. That's what he encourages, reminding us that we are that light, that we are essential in the world. But here in Luke 8 and in Mark 4, he's teaching us something a little bit different. It's less about what we're supposed to do with the light or who we are as light through him. It's more about what the light does for us and then what he wants and desires the light to do through us, which is so important. So let me read the passage right here out of Luke 8. And we're going to start in verse 16, and we'll go down through verse 21. It says this, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing hidden that it will be, nothing is hidden that will be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will be made known or not be made known and come to the light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. So we see here that Jesus is in the midst of a crowd of people. He's teaching this both to his disciples, but he's also got a broad, uh, broad group of listeners that are listening to him today. And he was told, hey, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So he sets up this this image, this picture that is very common in the day about a lamp in the middle of a room. So back in Jesus' times, um, they didn't have 3,000 square foot homes with two stories and and recessed lighting and lamps all over the place and everything else. They had usually typically maybe one room and they had this little clay dish. And they would fill that dish with oil and they would take a little bit of a wick, they would cut it and put it right in the center of the dish in the oil. 
the wick would soak up that oil, and then when you light it, it would ignite, and then it would burn through the oil in that dish. Now, when dusk and evening came for them, there's no street lights, there's, there's no city lights, there's, it's just darkness. And so they took this light, and they set it on a, a lampstand, and again, not like a lampstand that you may be thinking of, but think of a small post, maybe three to four feet high, and they would set that right in the center of their room, their home. And they put that little clay dish filled with the oil with a wick at the center, lit, providing light, and they'd set it in the center of the room. Now that light would give light to the whole space. And so for the families that were in living in that home, they would be able to see everything that's going on around them and continue um, till their day really needed to end. And then anyone who would come to enter into that room in their home would also be able to see everything in the room and participate in what is going on in the room. The lights is a really interesting piece because it's, it's such, such a small little thing. But yet the power behind that light gave everything they needed to function, to live, to navigate what they were doing in that space. But here's the thing. A light is, is great when it works. But Jesus uses this story to say, no one, no one covers the light or puts it under the bed. For one, I, think, I thought this was kind of funny that he's saying this and you think, this is, a, this is an open flame. Who would cover an open flame with something or put it under their bed? And I can't imagine their bed was uh, like fireproof. I'm imagining possibly straw or something of that nature, a blanket, something that's, that's, that can burn. So who would do that? But he uses this idea that when you, when you cover it, it really renders the light powerless. But then it also renders that light powerless from fulfilling its purpose. And man, I think there's so much here. I could preach a whole sermon just on that. When you cover the light, it renders it powerless to carry out its purpose. Now, here's something interesting to me. As I was thinking and praying through this, why would anyone do that unless they thought that if I can render something powerless, I can have more control? If I can take the power of, out of something, I have more control of the situation. I don't want people to see what's going on in my room. I don't want people to see the mess. I don't want people to see the dirt. And so I'm going to cover it up. And then I have control of what people see about my life and my space. Or maybe they remove something's purpose and that in, in turn reveals their, their fear of a possible outcome. If I can take the power out of the light and I can remove its purpose, maybe I can have more control of the outcome. Maybe I can do something different in my room that people don't need to know about. Or I can function in a way that I, that I just want to know about, but I don't want anyone else to know about. And it just really hit me that, man, when we try to cover up the light in our lives, we seek control and we fear outcomes. And I, I really believe that's part of what Jesus is saying here, that we, no one should do that. That's just not the purpose of the light. We're removing everything that it brings to us. 
the beauty of what it is. So let me pause here and also say this, that as Jesus is teaching this, he knows this truth and we having a full word know that it's even more that he is the light. And so as he's speaking this, he's really talking about who he is, Jesus. But we also know that Jesus is the word as it talks about in John. So John 1 say, I am, I am the word, the word is with God. And then it goes on later in that, those verses that he says that he is the light. And then in John 8, it talks about how I am the light of the world. Jesus is teaching this truth. And so as we look at this idea of light, let's think through this whole sermon today that we're thinking and looking at Jesus and the word of God. So here's the purpose of this light in verse 17. Jesus says, hey, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So light is an interesting thing. It does a couple of things or can do a couple of things, but not all light in our world does the same thing. But as Jesus teaching, he's saying his light does all of it. So here's the first thing we see. There's this kind of light, this basic light bulb. I plug this into a lamp. I put it in the middle of the room. This will illuminate the whole room. It gives me the ability to see all that is around me. It gives me clear sight. It gives me the ability to maneuver, to not trip over things, to not knock things over, to find things that I need to find that I couldn't see in the dark. This light is, is pretty simple. We all know what this light does. We have tons of these in our world. But the light also does something else, Jesus says. It exposes, and not only illuminate, it exposes. So this is a simple black light. Not too many of us have these in our home. But black lights are really interesting. It's still a light, still has the filament, still works off of power. You plug it into a lamp. But what this normal light that illuminates can't do that this black light does is the black light exposes things that normal light won't show. For instance... Let's say you spill coffee on your carpet and you clean it up. A month later, it's dry, it's gone, you think it's out of the way. If I brought a black light into your home and I ran over that place in your carpet, I would know exactly where you spilled your coffee. Isn't that crazy? This light is a normal use for our world, but it exposes the hidden things in our world. So Jesus is taking both of these kinds of light and he's saying, hey, I have this and I don't want you to miss out on it. That this light, the purpose of the light is to illuminate so that you can see all these things around you. But then it also exposes everything in your world, in your space, so that you're aware what you are really dealing with. There's great purpose to this light. It shows us where to move and to live and to be productive. It shows us what to avoid and how, how to clean up areas in our life that are so precious to us. And we need that in our world. Sometimes we don't even turn the light on. Remember, we fear the outcome. We want to control the environment. So maybe we don't even turn on the switch. And then he moves to this powerful thing. He gives us this, this illustration of light. Then no one covers this stuff. No one puts it under your bed. Hey, it just, it's just not the right thing to do. But this light that I'm speaking of both illuminates and, and it helps us to see, it exposes the hard parts of our world in our lives. 
And then he moves into verse 18, where he starts to change the conversation from what we see to what we hear. So when we can see things, when we can see Jesus, when we can see his word and we can understand it, we can gain from all that it has for us, from his teaching through these parables, understanding the parable of the sower and so many more. He leads us to this, verse 18. Then take care then how you hear, for the one who has more will be given and from one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Take care then how you hear. Again, you have these ears. God has given them to you. Use them. Make the most of them. For the one who hears will be given more. This goes right back to the illumination and the exposure. When we open our ears and we're able to hear, we are given more. We're given more of the word. The word is illuminated for our lives, for our understanding, for our hearts, for our minds. It's a continued discovery of God's word. It's a continued discovery of the person of Jesus. It's a continued discovery of the character and the holiness of God. The light allows that illumination into our lives, but we need to listen. We need to be prepared to hear the words of God, the words of Jesus in our lives for that continued discovery, that illumination to happen. And then it exposes. The word exposes things in our lives that we don't like. It exposes the fact that I'm not a great hearer. And then I need to bring that to the Lord and say, you you call me to be a hearer. You call me to use my ears to dive into your word. You call me to run to the light so I can see all that you have for me. And it's a hard thing, but man, it is a beautiful thing that that God loves us so much that he's going to expose the stuff in our life that separate us from him. So that when we see it, we can start working through it and we can offer that back to him and say, Lord, here's my stuff. Here's what's been exposed. Cleanse it from me. Work it through me. Sanctify me. Make me more like Jesus. If we didn't have that kind of light in our world, what would we do? Where would we go if we didn't know the things that are part of us that are holding us back from becoming more like Christ? We can know more about Jesus, but the process of sanctification is becoming more like Jesus. And we need both of those things in our world. And so when we hear the word of God, we are given more through the illumination and the exposure through the light, through the word into our lives is so, so powerful. But then he goes on to say, but the one who does not hear will lose what they think that they have. Those of us that close off our ears, those of us who choose to not be a hearer of the word, we miss gaining more. We miss life change. We cling to the desire to control, to the fear of an outcome. And we believe this lie that the good enough mentality is good enough. But here's the truth. The good enough mentality will never be good enough. I've heard too many times as a pastor, I've read through the Bible. I did the one-year Bible reading. I don't need to read it anymore. I have already, I've already read it. I've got everything I need. Or, hey, man, I've been a believer for years, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I'm pretty good. I've got it covered. I've walked through life. I've, I, I, I've memorized John 3.16 and Psalm 23. I'm, I'm in the, I know the first five books of the Bible. I'm good. I've got enough. I don't really need to go to church anymore 
Because I can just read the Bible on my own. It's my, on my own. It's it's enough. I I listen to um, this podcast. And I, I gain what I need. I listen to this pastor. I gain what I need. Like once a month, I'm, I'm checking in and, and it's enough. Church, it's not enough. Here's why. Because the Bible tells us that it is a living and active word. That 2 Timothy 3 says that it's, it's there to, to teach and to rebuke and, and reproof, to, to lead us, to shape us, to guide us, to sanctify us. It's a powerful truth that we can't let go of. Hebrews 4 talks about how it's a double-edged sword piercing our soul. It's opening us up to become the place and the person that we're meant to be, that we were created to be, that God created us in his image and he just desires us to be more like him because that's who he created us to be. And then if we leave out the word, if we leave out the light of our life, guess what? We're not gaining anymore. We're missing. And so all this thing that we think we have, we think we have enough. All that's going to become taken away. And here's a hard word from the Bible. When they come and they say, hey, we knew you. We prophesied in your name. We taught in your name. And the word comes back. Jesus comes back and says, I never knew you. Those people thought that they had enough. But the reality was they may have had knowledge of the word, but they never let the word transform and illuminate and expose their life to become more Christ-like. They never gave themselves up to the word, submission, confession to the word of God, to Jesus. So being a hearer is so important. When we hear the word of God, when we run to the light of Jesus to see the illumination and what it brings to be, see what is exposed in our life to become more like him. Jesus does big things in our life. But when we close it off, we miss out. And for some of us, and for a lot of us in this world, we might miss out altogether. And when Jesus returns, he may have to speak to us those words, I never knew you. Church, I never want you to hear those words. My desire for each and every one of us is that what you hear is well done, good and faithful servant. You ran with me. You walked with me. You walked in the dust of my feet. You became more like who I am. Not just talked about who I am. To be hearers of the word is so unbelievably unbelievably important. So Jesus makes a transition as to making this really big point really close to home, something that these folks that are listening are going to go home that night. They're going to fill that dish with oil, put that wick in the center and light it. And every word that Jesus spoke in that day is going to come back to their mind. But in the midst of that crowd, something happens. This word starts murmuring through the people, finally reaches Jesus. And someone says, Jesus, your mother and your brother's are outside and, and they are desiring to see you. I think some of us would say, well, yeah, let them in. They're my family. They get, they get first, uh, first place, front row with me. They get all my attention. But Jesus is something really powerful here. My brothers and my mother are those who hear my word and then do it. And so he opens up the understanding of his family, a spiritual family. 
It's not just his blood relatives, but it's all those who choose to hear the words of Jesus, to run after the light, to seek the illumination and the exposure, to become more like him, to walk in the dust of his feet. That's my family. He opens it up to all of us to be a part of his spiritual family, to learn and to grow and to walk with him, to have the front row with Jesus every day, to walk right at his feet every day. He welcomes you in to that through being the light, through being the word in our lives. And man, is that powerful. But he doesn't just stop there because he says, now, as you hear the words that I speak, as you understand these parables, as you take them in, as you go home and you light that and put it on a lamp and you remind you of all that I said, now go out and do what I have said. Be active with the word. Walk with me on a daily basis. And Jesus is so uh, powerful in this. It's like, I'm doing this work in you through illumination and exposure but I want you to let that move through you so now you're doing something with it in this world. James 1.22 says this boldly, where be hearers, not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. James got picked on for making that kind of a statement. But isn't it interesting that Jesus had already said the same thing? Jesus is exactly saying, uh, uh, James is exactly saying what Jesus had already said. He shouldn't be picked on He should be uh, applauded as reminding us the words of Christ. That we must take what we hear from the word and we must start living it out. And I think this is where, when Jesus makes that, the teaching being salt and light to the world in Matthew 5, this is where they connect. You've been given this beautiful thing. Don't hide it away. Put it out so everyone can see when you know the truth of who I am, let other people know the truth of who I am. When you see this work that I'm doing in you, this transformation I'm doing in you, when you see the exposure of your life, don't hide it from people, share it with people. This is how Jesus is transforming my life. This is how the spirit has taken all of my stuff, all of my heart stuff, all of my junk, and it's changing me. And I'm better for it. I've been given more and more because of it that we start living out what the word says. And that's where it gets really hard. And I think that's the times where we throw the blanket over the light. Because it's really easy to sit in our room for an hour and read the word. Really, it is. But when we get out of our room and we go out in our world, and we're in the line at Hy-Vee, or we're in the line at a Starbucks, or, or wherever we may be, it gets really tough to be doers of the word. When we have to actually live up to what Jesus is calling us to do in our life, to make the hard decisions, to be open with our confession, to pray for one another, to serve one another, to love our enemies. It gets really hard to do these things. But that's exactly what Jesus is calling us to do, to follow after him. So I wanna encourage us this morning which is with three things. How do we take this truth and and really run with it, to live with it, and to be alive in it? And so I really believe this, that too often we don't listen to what God has to say because it confronts the direction that we really want to go. 
We don't listen to what God has to say because it confronts the direction that we really want. It fights against, I want to go over here, but what Jesus is telling me is I need to go this direction. So I'm going to shut that out because I want to go here. It's about me. It's about my control. And if I go here, I kind of fear what might actually happen. I fear the change that may come because it's so unusual to me. But we've got to push through that. We've got to trust in the spirit, ask for the spirit for the strength and the courage to walk in those ways. So here's three things to do. As you come uh, to hear the word, maybe it's through a, 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 a devotional time, a, a personal time that you're spending in God's word, a study time. Maybe it's time in, in a Bible study or with your life group, or maybe it's before you come to church to hear the pastor preach. Prepare your heart. Come with a prepared heart. I believe this prepared heart is, is open-handed where you come before the Lord, you open your hands to God. Here's all of my stuff. Here's exactly where I am. Here's my emotions. Here's how I feel. This is where I'm thinking right now. Here's all the craziness and chaos that's in my, heart, my head. And Lord, I want to confess that to you. I want to get that out of the way because I don't want to have these earbuds in my ears. I want to be fully open to hear what you have to say to me. Psalm 51, he doesn't, he's not pleased with uh, sacrifices. He's not pleased with your checkboxes. I've read the word, I've showed up to church. I was even on time today. I, I clued in before the service even started online today. I downloaded the digital guide. I, I got my kids all set up. I checked all the boxes. And so now I can just, you know, go make a cup of coffee and kind of let it be the white noise in the background, but come with prepared heart, open hand confessing, Lord, I need you. I need to hear from you today and do what Psalm says. It's a broken and contrite heart. It's not the sacrifices that he's pleased in. He wants to hear and know from you who and where you truly are so that he can shape you and grow you and transform you through his word. Come prepared with an open heart to hear God's word. And the second thing is this, present yourself as a listener and not a lecturer. What do I mean by that? I think we understand the idea of listening, but as a lecturer, too oftentimes we get caught in the defense or the debate. And so I might be encouraging you with something as a pastor, maybe in the back of your head right now, you're like, well, Jason, seriously, is this, is that, and this is the other thing. And you're already defending or debating what I may be sharing with you this morning in the back of your mind. And if we were together and we were just having this conversation over a cup of coffee, you might jump in mid-sentence and say, but, 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 and defend and debate the whole way through. And this is why I want to encourage you, don't come when the word is being presented in your life, whether it's in a personal time or in a public time through church or through a worship service or through a life group time, don't come as a lecturer, come as a listener. James uh, 1 19 says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Close your mouth and open your ears so you can hear the truth that's being spoken to you. And then respond, then do the word. Acts 2.42 says this. They, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. And this is not about me and it's not about Pastor Keith but they committed themselves to a body, a community, to hear the truth speakers, the preachers, speak the word of God to them. They committed themselves to that. 
And that's with all they desire to run after. So don't neglect gathering. Don't neglect coming to church. Don't let, hey, it's a beautiful day outside. And so I'll just listen later. No, come and engage with the body of Christ. But most importantly, come and engage with the word of God and what is being given to you today. So present yourself as a listener and not a lecturer. Open your ears. And finally, press on to bear fruit. I think this is the hardest one sometimes because I can come and I can, I can bring my confession and my open handedness to this. I can, I can close my mouth and open my ears, but then I've got to stand up and actually cultivate and bear the fruit of the word of God. Paul writes of this in Philippians 3 to press on forward to, to win the prize. It's a hard race. There's a finish line that is coming when we get to stand before Jesus and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. But between now and then, press forward into the illumination that we can see all that's around us and learn from the word of God. Press forward into the exposure that we can see the things that need to be shaped and changed in us. Press forward, run the race, put all your energy in it to bear that fruit. John 15, Jesus teaches us to say, stay rooted in the vine, stay connected to the vine. If you stay connected to the vine, you will be fed. And through the feeding of the word, through the feeding of the light, you will bear abundant fruit, great fruit. That is not just for you, but it's for all those that can feed off of that as well. Again, Jesus is doing this work in you, but he wants to do this work through you. And then Galatians 5, Paul gives us, this, this list, this definition, this measure of what fruit looks like. And it's not about like, well, I don't even know. How do I bear fruit? Like, what is this fruit that I bear? How, how can I know if I'm actually bearing fruit, if the Spirit's doing this work in my life? We have it. And Galatians 5 is just one example. So measure your fruit. Open up Galatians 5. Am I being good and kind and loving and gentle and patient? <laughs> patient. Yeah, I said it with others, with the world, honestly, with God? Do I see that growing in me and shaping in me? Am I pressing forward to bear and honestly to cultivate that fruit? So church, as, as we hear the words of Jesus this morning, as we dive in to, to take in the light, to the illumination, the exposure of what it brings, as we then move to, to leave this time together as worship and to move out into the world that we are doers of the word, that we're doing what he says, a part of his spiritual family, that we come with this prepared heart, this confession, say, God, I need you. Here's all the stuff that I'm wrestling with. And God, I'm, I'm not gonna open my mouth up past this because I just wanna listen. I don't wanna lecture. I don't wanna defend and I don't wanna debate. And spirit, show me the fruit in my life Show me the fruit that I can cultivate and that when it's, when it's born through me, when it grows through me, help me to celebrate that fruit. And Lord, help me to share that fruit forward with others. It's a powerful truth, all starting with that no one takes a small dish, fills it with oil, and lights the light up puts it in the center of the room to impact all that are there, to change your world and your life. No one covers that up. Church, let's not cover that up today. Let's not cover that today. Will you pray with me as we move back into a time of worship this morning? Lord, I pray that this light will be a part of my life. 
It'll be part of what I experience and what I know as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a follower of Jesus. Lord, will you move in me, but Father, will you also move in each of these that are hearing this word today? Lord, that we hear and understand the power and the purpose of the light. And Lord, that we take that in and we run after all that it is. And Lord, that we engage with you as a spiritual family, following after you with every step of our life and in all that we do. Lord, may you work in us to prepare ourselves to be listeners, to be fruit bearers, to have prepared hearts every moment we come before your word to hear your truth. And Lord, may our response now as we close this time be one of saying, Lord, I come to you to offer all that I have for you are good and you are God. And I stand at your footstool. I kneel down to worship you this morning. And we get this in your incredible name of Jesus.